we're going to move on to our, our next segment. And as we do, I'm happy to say we, um, uh, our, we have another co-host in with us for the rest of the show, Olivia Reggio. She's uh, helped co-host a, a number of shows in the past year. Olivia, welcome, uh, welcome to the air on WBAI. Hi, thanks. It's great to be with you and everyone listening here on 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. Right. And um, uh, we, you know, a key factor in this race is uh, media coverage. And uh, our, our next guest, uh, Julie Haller, wrote a really outstanding piece uh, yesterday uh, about the uh, impact of, uh, of the, especially the tabloids on the race and the uh, constant drumbeat around crime. Um, so, uh, Julie, are you there? Can you, uh, are you ready to join us? I'm here. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, so, uh, do you want to summarize a, a little bit more what you wrote yesterday in your piece uh, for uh, FAIR, where uh, you were, uh, I believe, an editor there? Yeah. So, it it just struck me in uh, some of the coverage that I saw about the race that crime and public safety was the number one issue for most voters in recent polls. Um, and it, that was curious to me since crime is um, by some measures at record lows. Um, housing is also uh, an issue in the top five for people. Um, and as we know, you know, we've had eviction moratoriums, we've had rental assistance and people are still struggling. Um, so it was just, it was sort of surprising to me that you would see crime being um, higher, being the most important issue for a lot of people uh, in this mayoral race. So I thought I'd take a look at the media coverage of the popular tabloids in the city and see what was going on there. Um, and well, turns out that you are about nine, uh, nine times more likely to hear about crime in the Daily News or in the New York Post than you are to hear about affordable housing or rent control or eviction or supportive housing, any of these issues relating to the housing crisis. Um, and, you know, I'm sure all of all of BAI's listeners are very familiar with the sensationalistic covers of, of these tabloids. Um, but we actually had one of our interns go back and look at every single cover from, from both papers for the last year. Um, and he, he did survive. Fortunately, he came back next day, I, I, uh, I think, but, um, but he, he found, he pulled up some pretty great ones, um, great in terms of sensationalistic. So we found just, um, let's see, 85 covers of the Daily News and 57 at the Post that had just, you know, these sort of crazy kind of tabloid crime covers that you're used to seeing all the time. Um, and this is this kind of, this constant drumbeat of crime coverage of headlines like carnage and chaos um, on, on the cover of, of the tabloids that, you know, you see when you walk past the bodega every day, you see these, you don't have to subscribe. You don't have to, it may not be the, the outlet that you read most, but these really, I think, seep into public consciousness in this city. And um, the reporting is just remarkable. Um, and, you know, when I said that crime is overall down, shootings and murders are up a little bit or, you know, up somewhat significantly in the past couple of years, um, when you don't put it into context, if you put it into context, uh, you know, we're at, we're at the same number of murders as we were uh, basically in 2012, uh, which was like a banner year for us. And Bloomberg, who was mayor at the time, was 
touting New York City as the safest big city in America because of our, our low violent crime rate. Um, other crimes are actually down sharply. Um, so if you look at the overall, New York, the NYPD tracks seven major crimes and puts them into this grand total. And those, those total numbers of crimes are, are way down um, over, over the short term and long term. So, you know, this perception that crime is out of control and the public safety is our top priority for a mayor, I think is, um, is some, is a, is a myth that's being fed by, by the media, by the local media. Well, they say if it bleeds, it reads, right? <laughs> um, but so what can we actually, we're, we're talking, there is a slight rise in violent crime. And when people hear that, they automatically get nervous. What can we attribute this rise in violent crimes to? And I think it's worth saying that it's not just these tabloids that are saying things like this. I mean, we see it in the New York Times. We see it in um, the Washington Post. Um, and a lot of times this uh, rise in crimes is used to justify people advocating for more policing. Um, but what can we actually attribute this rise to? Yeah, th- and thanks. I, d- I didn't mean to let the Times or the Washington Post off the hook <laughs> by <laughs> Um, I mean, this is kind of nationwide coverage because this is happening all over the country, right? There has been an increase nationwide in some of these gun crimes. And we shouldn't be surprised at all because there has also been a very sharp increase in gun sales in the past year. Um, When the pandemic hit, there was a real spike in gun sales and that's continued. Um, And, you know, this is this is not rocket science. Um, this is there's a there's a long-standing correlation between uh, between gun sales and uh, and violent crime. So um, that obviously is something that should be looked at. If you're looking at an increase only in your in your murders and your and your shooting incidents, and you're looking at a a big decrease in your other kinds of crimes, well, then this is clearly about guns, right? Um, you know, you, you also have to think about what's been going on for everyone for the past year. And there's been so much stress um, and, and trauma. And there have been, um, you know, people, people's communities have been torn apart. Um, and a lot of the institutions that they rely on um, have, you know, not been there. And people are struggling. So, you know, it's, it's just... It's it's a shame, you know. If we could, if we if we if we had media that tell it like it is, that is more accessible to people. Obviously, everyone listening to WBAI is already seeking out that kind of media. But you know, the the the, the sort of general majority um, is getting fed these myths about crime and and uh, you know, not really the, the, the corporate media aren't really digging into the deeper causes of what's going on here, which would really help inform um, the debates around who the next mayor ought to be and what kind of expertise they should have and what kind of solutions they should be advocating for this city. And I know in your piece you mentioned, um, or there was a picture as well, of uh, one of the New York Post's covers when they introduced Adams. Can you describe this for, or I'm sorry, when they endorsed Adams, um, but can you describe <laughs> it for our listeners and you know what the headline was below it? Yeah, they actually endorsed him. I, I can't remember if it was two or three times, <laughs> just in case you missed it the first time. Um, but I think this was their first endorsement where um, the, the they had a split front cover and the top was Eric Adams for mayor. And then the bottom was, I don't want to die. Mom shot in Times Square. No one would even help me. 
Um, so it's, you know, this is obviously very intentional, right? The Adams is the fighting crime kind of uh, candidate for mayor. And so you obviously put um, your crime story about this poor, this poor mother being shot in this iconic New York City location um, <laughs> with, with your with your endorsement for him. Yeah, they were probably saving that endorsement until the day they could uh, have a really uh, lurid uh, uh, incident happen. Right, wait for the juiciest one they could find. It feels like it. Uh, another thing you, you brought out in your piece, I mean, you did a great job of um, juxtaposing the, the intense saturation coverage of, of crime and, and then how little coverage goes to the struggles of tenants and uh, the struggle to for affordable housing, if people can even find it. And uh, can you talk a little bit also about these um, media outlets and their relationship to the real estate industry, which uh, butters a lot of their bread? Yeah, I mean, this is New York City in general, right? The real estate industry seems to seems to be um, it has its fingers everywhere. Um, And, you know, you think about you think about newspapers and what kind of sections they have in the newspaper, right? Um, you know, you've got a business section. You don't have a, you don't have a labor section. <laughs> um, you've got a real estate section. The real estate section has lots of ads, um, you know, the real estate ads. They have, you know, they're trying to get you, especially, you know, all these, these luxury buildings that are going up with all these fancy, uh, fancy apartments that most readers can't even afford. Um, they have, I, I noticed in the daily news, they have all these articles in the real estate section about these like multi-million dollar homes. Um, you know, again, the vast majority of New Yorkers are not anywhere in the market for this, but they're these kind of, um, they're, they're kind of selling you this dream, right? This, there's this dream of, of this beautiful world where we can all afford this multi-million dollar house. Um, and, then you don't want to have all of these all of these articles about tenant struggles and homelessness and the and NYCHA's problems and all of this stuff about you know the what what most of us in New York City are facing as tenants or as um, you know residents in public housing or or those who are are not currently housed in a stable situation um, you know a large number of New Yorkers are severely rent burdened. Again, this is not a surprise to any of us, right? But um, it's unusual for this country. Like New York, New York City, obviously, is one of the most ex- expensive places to live. Um, and one of the one of the numbers that I that I pulled out here, um, not in the article actually, but after I wrote it, I thought of an even better way to frame it: is that you are more than 800 times more likely to be severely rent burdened in New York City than to be shot in New York City. Um, this is an issue that impacts a huge number of New Yorkers very directly. Um, and it's something that just doesn't really get covered because it's not, it's not so comfortable for the newspapers to cover it. They don't want to be putting these kinds of articles next to all of these real estate ads. Um, and frankly, you know, you're talking about Rupert Murdoch owned Post. The, the Tribune company owns, well, they're kind of in the midst of a sale, I, I believe, but the, the Daily News. Um, these corporate owned papers are not interested really in challenging the corporate status quo. So, so it's, you know, it's really unsurprising that we get this sort of skewed coverage, but it's, uh, it's also really unfortunate. And it's important for, for readers to be able to read these newspapers really critically. 
Yeah, I, I would say it would be great if uh, uh, our fellow journalists would read these papers critically. When I think back to some of the mayoral debates where, I mean, like the whole first hour of the date, debates would be consumed by discussions about crime. You'd never guess there are any other problems in the city like housing. Um, and uh, they still seem to have the ability to set kind of set an agenda, even though our, our earlier guest, uh, Tom Robbins, n- noted that the tabloids' uh, strength has waned over the years as their circulation has declined, but they still seem to have an agenda-setting ability, at least at certain moments. Yeah, absolutely. But also, I mean, thinking about the local television, um, you know, crime stories are super popular on on local TV news. Um, and and again, we don't want to we don't want to let the New York Times and the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal and these other papers off the hook, too. They don't they don't do the same kind of sensationalistic coverage that you expect from the tabloids, but, um, but they, they still have the same kinds of um, general priorities, um, you know, not putting the, not, not, not running as many of these housing stories and, um, you know, this, this real focus on crime going up all over the country. And what does, um, not just sympathetic, but honestly, just accurate coverage of, poverty of homelessness um, look like? And and how could it actually change the way people, the, the greater narrative of New York City? Um, we've seen, we've seen, you know, demonization of the homeless, seeing it connected directly to crime in the debates and in coverage, um, as well as mental illness, which is tied into that. Um, and, you know, there's just so many contributing factors but you know what does actually responsible reporting on on these issues look like and um how can it change the way people think and what people truly fear um i mean i i think it's a great question and and the first the first answer i would say is you know talk to more people who are really in it right talk to homeless people, talk to um, organizations that advocate for, um, for people um, who are, who don't have stable housing. Um, You know, the, one of the things that we do so much at FAIR is source studies. Um, What we're looking at is who, who gets, who gets to be an expert um, in the media. And, um, you know, experts tend to be government officials, um, and then secondarily, there'll be, you know, sometimes, you know, um, some think tanks or academics or, or things like that. But you, you overwhelmingly have government officials and government officials are going to, you know, they're going to give you their own spin on things. Um, and it's not necessarily going to be anything like what advocates would be would be telling you. This is something that you see in every kind of issue. Um but 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 here, you know, there are so many really great organizations in New York City working on housing issues and how often, you know, they, they should be they, their phones should be ringing off the hook with reporters calling them, asking for quotes and asking for expertise and writing, you know, f- so that they can write articles about this and report articles about this stuff as much as they're reporting about crime. But it's not happening. Um, we need to have beat reporters on on these kinds of issues um, instead of just getting, you know, they just they get these feeds from the police blotter, you know, you've got, you've got all the crime reports and everything. Well, let's have, mm. let's have reports from the housing advocates, you know? 
Definitely. Um, and we're going to have to close out this segment. But if you want to read Julie's article for yourself, you can visit fair.org. Um, and I think next, uh, well, first of all, Julie, thank you for joining us tonight. And thank you for your analysis of um, the coverage that we've been seeing um, regarding crime and homelessness. 